everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name is Mike. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Mike. You know? um, my name's not Mike. No, no, it's not, so, which makes it weird, which is why I was like, huh, why didn't she say Mike? Oh, because her name's Allison. That's okay. right. This is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Wowzers. Well, the older I get, now that I'm 43 years old, my brain's starting to slowly just... Deteriorate. Yes, exactly. I can't come up with words, and you find those words for me, which is really good for a podcast format, not being able to find words. Well, I'm going to be the one telling the story today, so I think we're going to be all good. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you say we are the crime and coffee couple, right? Yes, I sure did. Okay, good, good. That's so far so good. That's um, who we are. And we're doing a podcast about true crimes, right? Yes, we are, Mike. Okay, good. Welcome aboard. Good. Just wanted to make sure that that's where we are, where, where my head thought we were, and that's where we are. So yep, that's good. you're safe. Yeah. Um, so what's been going on with you this week, young lady? Uh, we had a busy week. We went away for a couple nights, celebrated our anniversary, and that was nice. Last was Saturday, nice. we took off uh, just a 40-minute drive to Clearwater Beach area, which personally, I hate Clearwater Beach with a vengeance. Yeah, if you're thinking of visiting Florida and you hear all these great things about Clearwater Beach, Don't it, go. I mean, it, it's definitely a tourist location. You've Oof. got a lot of shopping. You've got some restaurants and things, but it's kind of on its own island. I mean, it is its own island, and you're trapped, and there's tons of people. I think there's about... Mm, 20,000 too many people on the island itself. It's awful. It's a shithole. It's like <laughs> it's cheesy. I think it's a shithole. Really? I hate it. I hate Clearwater Beach. Huh. I hate everything about it. The cr- the crowds, parking's a nightmare. It's very commercialized. Oh, ooh. It's not like cute or kitschy or anything like that. It just is like people put you know hundreds of millions of dollars into it from all these huge corporations and they just rule everything and it's just no parking anywhere and people everywhere as far as you can see it's and like, everyone's just like walking around in like wet bathing suits even on the street like in stores like dripping wet covered in sand in a store i'm like gross put a cover-up on it was a beach store to be clear still i wouldn't walk into a store in a bikini and the people were dripping wet because they just took surf lessons in the surf style store well it's gross <laughs> anyway we didn't stay at the beach we were like farther inland mm-hmm. still like on an island but now, this was a cute place it was precious adorable it was very much my speed it was like just adorable and quiet romantic and, I would yeah say. it was great the pool was lovely the grounds were wonderful we got to use their bikes that they had and kind of go off and look at the cool houses that are over there well you know that you know, they say all these things are included in the resort fee and i was like looks like bikes are included so we're gonna use those that's yeah i'm sure and we like it in exercise so they did say out. turn down service was included and that didn't happen i'd imagine because yeah. of covid which I, is I fine mean, I don't, how long are we gonna say because of covid like we interacted <laughs> with all the staff there is it because they don't have enough staff to do so and we're not hoity-toity or no anything. i don't want a turn down right. i don't need somebody to come in my room and move the blankets because I'm perfectly capable. You would like the piece of chocolate, though, probably. Yeah, I guess that might be nice. I mean, they don't even need to move the bed. Just put just a piece put of chocolate. Just put a piece of chocolate. Throw it in front of the flora and, you know, yeah. in front of the door. I'll I'm pick it up like that. a dog. <laughs> no problem with my teeth. Um, but it was super cute. They put a little picnic basket in front of your door in the morning, and it had two beautiful croissants. A couple Still warm from being baked mm-hmm. earlier that day. Some orange juices and some apples. It was just really cute. Yeah, so not like a standard continental breakfast, not a huge breakfast, but just enough to get you going. Because yeah. you wake up and you're hungry in a hotel room, and it was just nice to be able to snack in a little croissant. And and then you ran downstairs and got me a cappuccino to have with it. It was perfect. It was. It was, it was very just, nice. It was nice to be... Because when you have kids... Oftentimes, it's very hard to connect with your spouse because it's just chaotic and everyone's always interrupting. So it was nice to kind of go back and 
like, you know, feel like, oh, this is how it was before we had kids and when we were first dating. And And we said, like, this is what we used to do. Just hang out and like maybe take a nap if we were tired during the day. Yeah, because what was it? Sunday uh, afternoon? um, We're like, we're tired. Let's go back to the room. And we put on like some TV and I took a nap and read. And you said, well, I I hope that, you know, you're okay with this. I'm like, you're damn right I am. I'm okay with this every day. It was fantastic. It was like the perfect getaway. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. So I had a great birthday. And it was it was lovely. Yeah, your birthday is the same as our anniversary. You see in mm-hmm. our uh, Instagram page. Oh yeah, by the way, follow us Instagram. Uh, Crime and Coffee Two. Crime and Coffee Number Two. Number Two. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you can, it'd be really nice if you're listening to this and you enjoy what we do. If you could leave us like a five star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be a tremendous help. Huge help to us, much. and we surely do appreciate it. Yes, yes. Not just saying that, we mean it. Yeah. And while we're talking about other things, uh, one thing that happened to me this week. Um, a friend reached out and said, you know, do you like fishing? And I was like, huh, how do I answer this? Like, I don't fish a lot. You know, I actually, I don't fish almost never. I would say I've been out on a boat to fish maybe two or three times, but everything was kind of handled for you. The fishermen gave you the poles. Totally. Like it's not, I wouldn't consider that fishing. That was just me being a human being holding onto the pole. Holding a pole. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Which I can do every single day of my life. You you sure can, Mike. Yeah. So, um, and you do. (laughs) Thank you very much. So, I was, it got me thinking, and yeah, I told him, well, you know, I've only been fishing a few times. It's fun. It's, you know, whatever it is, but I, I, I wouldn't ever say I'm a fisherman. It's relaxing. Yeah, for sure. But it got me thinking, um, you know, another person on Twitter said, you know, what are your top five favorite hobbies? And, you know, some, a lot of people would be like, well, fishing and boating and, you know, running. Mine's reading. Right. And I'm, I tried to think. I'm like, I don't know if I really have. Like, if I had to say a hobby, it would be like cooking and like going out to restaurants with you. Like, Video games for you. Oh, yeah. But I don't do that. I mean, I. You if know. you have a free second on your hands, your first instinct is to want to go upstairs and play video games. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to do that maybe like an hour or two a week. You know, like it's it's just something I like to do. And it's, it's a good video games for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's one of your hobbies. Yeah, it is. Um, and then I started thinking like all these hobbies this guy was listing were like golf and, um, you know, camping and stuff and hobbies like cost money. Oh, they definitely cost money depending like your mom knits or crochets or whatever it is. It that's not super expensive. Although sometimes her yarn can be expensive. Yeah, depending how far you want to get into your hobby. Yeah, but that one's not an extensively expensive hobby. My reading can be expensive because I have to buy the books. (laughs) It's like even on a Kindle. We used to say like nothing over five bucks because it's insane that these places cost. I mean, a, a digital book costs that much. I know you're not paying for the actual book itself. You're paying for the creativity behind the author of course but it's and still i spend in- about like 25 dollars a month i'd say on books really we should mm-hmm. look at that that'd be interesting yeah yeah so i was just got me thinking about hobbies and stuff and uh, I th- i'd like to go out more and like do some more kayaking we live here in florida so be able to enjoy the outdoors with the kids and different activities and stuff it's really hard well there's really pretty spots in florida they've got these natural springs that are crystal clear always 72 degrees no matter what the temperature is outside and i mean it looks like the caribbean it's incredibly beautiful oh gorgeous they have these natural springs like yeah and the manatees are swimming there in the winter time because they're trying to get to warmer water it's really cute um but during the summer it's just so damn hot down here yeah here in florida pretty much it's like winter up north everybody stays in their house and Mm -hmm. tries to stay out of the sun yeah (laughs) i mean even at the beach you might be like well you're at the water unless you have a pool right there even the Gulf of Mexico is piping hot in the summertime. It's like 90 degrees. Yeah, it feels like a bath. So you're going from like the scorching hot sand to a bathtub. A tepid bath of like fish urine and And shit. people urine. Yeah, people's urine and probably some poops. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine some people poop. I, oh. I would imagine. Yeah, so um, 
And we're going to talk about your uh, Allison's Amazon addiction here Mm -hmm. real quick. So Allison usually buys something, some little thing every single week. And we mention it and then put it in the show notes if you wanted to take a look at it. So what did you buy this week? I got some new aviator sunglasses. They're like gradient lenses. So it goes from darker to lighter at the bottom. And I wore them today on our walk and I thought they were pretty cool. They're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the reason you got those is because you really wanted Uh, Ray-Bans. Yeah, I was. I have to admit, I was very disappointed about that. I was for sure you were getting me those sunglasses. Yeah, it's weird how you can spend like $200 on somebody's birthday and then they're like sad at the end. Well, it wasn't that I expected a certain amount. I'm not going to say that. Look, I expected you to spend blah, blah, blah on me. I really wanted those sunglasses. Now, here's the reason. I mean, I I thought I was getting them. Right. And here's the reason. And actually, every time you asked me about them, I said no. So because you didn't. Yeah. I said, okay, here's the reason. Um, Ray-Ban is owned by this company called Luxottica. Luxottica owns pretty much every big sunglass brand you can think of. It's outside. like a monopoly. Yeah. So yeah. if you're thinking Oakley, if you're thinking Chanel, I can't think of big name brands. Pretty much every pair of sunglasses you can possibly Ray-Ban. imagine. Yeah. And uh, it, so the only ones that they don't own are like Maui Jim or like the ones online that you see like commercials for. Like they don't own those. But, but most of the big brand sunglasses you can think of, they own. Yeah. And one time we bought some sunglasses from, I think you wanted Chanel sunglasses, right? Yeah. It was for Christmas uh, probably 10, gift. 11 years ago. Yeah. And they wouldn't like replace the plastic or the, the glass lens because they they give us the biggest runaround like 10 years ago. And like we spent decent money. Like I don't spend good money on these kind of things. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I know that $250, $300 for a pair of sunglasses is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. But you know, sometimes you want to treat yourself it was christmas i had just had a baby i was like oh i think this would be nice to splurge yeah and and it was great but then the lens kept popping out so i had to go to like pearl vision and diagnose them as incorrect and then they couldn't get them replaced to me and it was just this whole runaround that was ridiculous i had to go back to the store and make a list of like 10 pairs that i wanted as an alternative they didn't have a single one of the 10 pairs so ultimately they shipped me a pair that i didn't even want yeah it was like the fifth choice they were burberry something and they were fine which is fine yeah so this company just licenses these big names of fashion and then they sell them under their their brand and so also luxotica owns sunglass hut so anytime you go into sunglass hut you're supporting this gigantic monopoly that sucks i mean it was really and i'm not a very picky person but when it comes to customer service there's expectations mike bought me these expensive glasses that i wanted and they just couldn't fulfill the order and I'm getting this pair of sunglasses that I'm like, I don't I don't even want these. But mm-hmm. we I, we had to settle. It got to the point on the phone that you're like, what do you have in the warehouse? They wouldn't tell me that at first. And so eventually I find, I said, I've done this three times. I brought you these like, I think, nine different models right now. And you said you can't have any of them. So. I had to go into Sunglass <laughs> Hut like on multiple occasions. And I had like a two month old baby and a three year old. Yeah, I don't go to the mall. It's not easy for me to like get away and go into Sunglass Hut and try it. And then I had a piece of paper. I'm writing down all these model numbers and i have to wait on hold 15 minutes to talk to a human being to do my special thing that they asked me to do it it was just a huge runaround and just ridiculous especially when you're paying more for something you expect better service so basically mike doesn't want to support them and i i would agree with that it it has been you know 10 11 years maybe they've changed things oh i'm sure they're worse if anything but um you know brands don't get better i wanted these ray-bans i really 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 wanted these ray-bans and you didn't get them i didn't get them. i mean now you can have them if you want to buy they're them. actually on sale for 140 right now right so i mean i'm not like ruling what you can and can't get i just won't spend money on them because i think that company sucks well if, you if want to i support, buy them it is your money too yeah but it's up to you like i'm not gonna i, I yeah, can't I tell know, you what but to it's do. what i wanted for my birthday right and i can't support that well 
You can buy them yourself if you'd well, like. Well, I guess maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, so that was it. So They're like $30 off right now, so that's the only thing I would think How about. How much were the ones you bought? Uh, 20 bucks. And were they polarized? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out if they were polarized. I'm pretty sure. Like you can, Pretty much every pair of sunglasses sold right now is polarized, and it's like 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I agree. It's kind of ridiculous. Same, same quality as all this other crap. It's The problem is I can't find the duplicate like looking thing. Yeah. I've, I've like looked high and low. Well, you will in about two months when a real has them. I don't know. I mean, it's not. there's nothing like crazy special about them, or they're not new or anything, but it's just this particular pair. Once you like make up your mind about what you like, it's hard to find something something you know similar yeah especially you i'm not like a spoiled brat that i'm like you have to spend two hundred dollars no. on me on my birthday like that's not how i am no but you i'm want not some, i'm not like that well you don't buy anything for yourself really all year no, long i so. know we talk about this whole amazon addiction if you came to my house you would see i i don't have a lot of things no we really don't no. um we're currently sitting in an office that you're sitting in a chair that i had in college and that was like <laughs> 20 years ago that i graduated college yeah 2002 so yeah, uh, yeah it's like 2001 actually you graduated oh yeah so 21 mm-hmm. years ago so you know we are very like i guess i don't want to use the word frugal but we like to do we things that make sense yeah, you know you're sitting next to a couch that we got when we first moved into an apartment together mm-hmm, that we got married that was 20 years ago mm-hmm. so yeah let me look around here i got some ikea furniture it's not uh not the best of the best but. but there are just certain things i just i i get my mind set on it and i just i can't stop thinking about it and that's the sickness so if we can just kind of get past that like two months and i think you won't even care I don't about these no i really don't i don't there's certain things i just cannot get out of my mind you will if you give it a month they always go away uh, but then the problem is they're going to be 30 dollars more expensive in, in a month oh no they'll be zero because you won't buy them if i still want them though <laughs> that's why they do this well yeah. i mike then i'm po- my brain it's poison it is poisoned absolutely poisoned. it's not your fault it's marketing so anything else going on? Um, yeah, we do have to mention, I think, the tragedy that happened in Texas. Can't skip over that because it's just... I, and we all know about the horrors of what happened. And, you know, just we just want to say that... to those kids and those adults and everybody involved and families and everything. It's just horrible thing and hopefully our legislators do something i mean we need to be able to send our kids to school and not fear for their lives because it really you know hit home because it was a fourth grade class and that's our daughter was in fourth grade and you know everyone's wrapping up the school year and excited for summer and then something like this just happens that you could never in a million years when you got your kids off to school that day imagine that they wouldn't be coming home and then i heard about it and i'm like huh another school shooting so it's starting to numb a little bit and it's unfortunate and and it's, uh, we're the only country this happens in. Granted, there are school shootings in other countries, but we have an absolute epidemic of school shootings. Like, it's it's America has, you know, whatever. If America had 50 so far this year or 20, 30, whatever, the next closest country is like two of like every other country in the world. So something is wrong here, whether it's mental health and gun control and... Or just accessibility into the schools. I don't know. Right. It's, it's probably a combination. So we need to make several laws and we need to try some things because what we're doing right now is not it's working. It's not working and we can't continue on this path that we're fearful of putting our kids on a school bus and saying goodbye to them at the doors of the school that it's... You're scared that they won't come home. We're the only ones where they have to go through active shooter drills. It's like part of the, it's like a fire drill. Now. Yeah. So kind of it's sad. It's very sad. The very innocence sorry for those of kids. children can be taken away yep. by a madman. Yep. So, but we just wanted to, to say our hearts are there. Yep. Um, so anything else to touch base on? No, I don't think so. I'm uh, looking forward you know, to hearing what you brought to well, the table Well, you're not going to be looking forward to this one okay. because it's absolutely horrific. 
And if you listen to all of our episodes, I'm sure you'll remember the Sylvia Likens case. That one stands out in a lot of people's minds. I had to pause the recording of that episode because it was so heartbreaking to me that I broke down like hysterically crying. So we'll see if I can get through this one. Um, you know, okay, well, I guess we'll just kind of play it by ear. Man, but, I hate these. Yeah, there's just... There's, Trigger warning, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying this is about torture and kidnapping, and it's just okay. horrific. Well, let's hear it. So this story is terribly cruel, it's gruesome, it's terrifying, and it makes you wonder how actual monsters can truly be living amongst us on this earth, and how another human can treat another human just so viciously it's hard to wrap my head around that something like this can actually happen i think that's part of the reason some people listen to true crime podcasts you want to figure out the why and that's what me and you brought bring up every single episode basically is why how can you get to this point and there's no explanation and and especially when it happens in groups and that was the thing with the sylvia likens case it's like okay you can face somebody like a ted bundy who's an absolute psychopathic lunatic that's one person but when you get other people that are following suit and joining in on what you're doing that is scary and that is the story okay so um it takes place in japan and i'm going to try my hardest to pronounce the names and things as best as i can sounds fair so this is the story of junko furuta she was born in masato satama japan on January 18, 1971, she lived with her parents and an older and younger brother. She was known for her beautiful face, her bright personality, and getting good grades at Yashio Minami High School. She basically had that good girl reputation. She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She got good grades. You know, she was a good kid. Just your classic good kid. Mm-hmm. She was a hard worker. She spent time with her family. There really wasn't anything you know, cross you could say about the girl. Um, So before November of 1988, Junko was a typical 17-year-old girl. She was popular at school. She seemed to have a bright future ahead of her. And then everything would change when she would be kidnapped and tortured for 44 days by her own classmate. And I'm sorry, where did this take place? In Japan. Japan. Okay, because I think the Seoul Olympics were that year, 88. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nearby, but not not Japan. Okay. So 18-year-old Hiroshi Miyano, which I'm going to mostly call him Miyano moving forward, was known as a school bully who also bragged about his connection to the Yakuza, which is a gang similar to the Mafia, but in Japan. That's known for their ruthlessness, and it's been around for, like, years and years and years, hundreds of years, this this group. Yeah, it comes up in a lot of stories and things, and basically they run the whole show. Yeah, and I actually, I've never never heard of it, so this is all new to me. Yeah, picture the mob in New York in the 1930s or Mm -hmm. 40s or 50s. That's the Yakuza. So this 18-year-old is bragging that he has you know, knowings and whether he's in the group or not, I don't know, but he's saying he is and he's affiliated with them. Well, you think of the mob movies and you see the kids that just do a favor for one of the mobsters and then all of a sudden you're part of the family. Exactly. And then you're kind of in debt to them. Yes. So it only kind of like raised his cloud of people wanting to stay away from him because he was already a bully and somebody you didn't want to be around. So Miano wasn't used to hearing the word no. So when he developed a bit of a crush on Junko and she politely turned him down, he became enraged. 
because people were scared of him. He was rarely rejected. Well, you don't say no to me. Otherwise, you're going to pay. Exactly. Uh, what a scumbag. You know, God forbid you don't go along with what I'm saying. You're uh, going to be in for it. Well, I've decided who I'm hating in this story. Well, you're going to hate him more and more as well as his friends. Great. So on November 25th, 1988, Junko biked home from her part-time job at a plastic molding factory. She had gotten the job a month before. She was trying to save up money for her graduation plan. And she had also accepted a job at an electronics retailer and planned to start after she was graduating. So as Junko rode her bike, she didn't realize that Miano and his friend, 16-year-old Sinji Minato, were hanging around the local park in Masato, preying on innocent women. I mean, they were just complete, like... Total thugs and bullies. Preying on them? So yes. what, like, what are like they doing? Like potential raping. Just um, hanging out in the park and raping or women. Or just calling out to them, generally Cat harassing. Grabbing asses. But there was definitely more sinister things that would ultimately happen to girls in their presence, not just catcalling and being obnoxious. Like assault. But assault. Sexual yeah. assault. I mean, they just thought that they could have whatever they wanted and they didn't care who Fantastic. they were taking it from. So they were known as, <laughs> this is terrible, experienced gang rapists. Like, you're 16 and 18? Not only have you done it once or twice, you're an experienced gang rapist. Yeah, like, and what are you doing standing here on the street? You put that on your resume? That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's it's quite hard to wrap your head around. At like, eight, that's when you know you're in the wrong group, when you have a group of experienced gang rapists. It's like, look around and be like, hey, all of us like to gang rape. This is the one, the, the group to get out of. Like, this is the hive mind you're talking about, where you're like, everybody's doing it in your group, and it's like, oh, this is cool. And then you don't have repercussions, because you're part of the Yakuza, probably. Right, and so that's they own the, the police. Because how can you be known as being an experienced gang raper and not have any repercussions to what you're doing. Right. Uh, how because, is that? Because Yakuza pays off certain police, and that's just how they run. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only. So, you know, you say that he was part of Yakuza. I totally think that he probably was, because otherwise you'd get arrested. You would think so, or hope so. So at 8.30 p.m. that evening, they noticed that Junko was on her bike. Minato kicked her off the bike, and Miano, they kind of tag-teamed her. Miano stepped in as the concerned bystander and asked... Good cop, bad cop yes, kind of thing. So asked her if she needed help and asked her if he wanted her to... Or for him to walk her home. And she's, you know, was a nice girl. She knew him from school. She was like, sure, you can walk me home. That was going to be the turning point of the rest of her life, which was very short-lived after this. Oh, man. So she agreed, and she would never be seen by her family again. So Miano walked Junko to an abandoned warehouse. Here, he raped her and threatened to kill her family using his gang ties if she made a sound. So he basically put the fear of God in her because he was threatening to go to her home and take the rest of her family down if she said a word. So she stayed quiet. And after that, he took her to the park where Minato and two other boys, Joe Agura and Yushuzi Watanabe, they waited there. So hold on. So she, he brought her to his house first? No. First, he took his, her to a warehouse. A warehouse. And he raped, raped her there. Her. Then he brought her back to a park where his three friends were waiting. So he had her in this place, raped her, took her back out, basically has her as a slave at this point. Yeah. He's basically saying, if you do anything stupid, I will go and we will kill your family. So come with me now. Yes. Oh so she's basically just following him out of fear. Right. So she goes back to the park with him and his three friends are there. So now it's her and four boys. So well, you can guess what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's, it's going to be terrible. 
So Junko's parents reported her missing on November 27th, 1988, but the boys forced her to call home and tell them that she had run away and was staying with a friend. Because this was still the 25th or 26th, Yeah, so maybe she called home before then and said, I'm running away and I'm going to be over here. And they're like, no, this is not like her. I'm calling her missing. Right. Because a 17-year-old that's got good grades and showing no signs of anything doesn't just up and ride her bike out and say I'm I'm leaving home right. without any prompt you know anything prompting her. So um of course during this time they're they're teenagers. So she's now at Minato's home. So not Miano, but his friend Minato, the one that actually ki- kicked, kicked her off the bike. Yep. So she's at his home, but where does a 16-year-old live? With his parents. With his parents. Yeah. So this girl is now in a home with parents. Okay. And like other siblings. And he's probably just saying a story like, hey, we're dating now and we're just hanging out or whatever it might be. Yes. She wanted to come over. Okay. So when the parents were around, he told them that Junko was Miano's girlfriend. His parents were seeing so much of her that it felt that she was basically living in their house. So much of her in what? A couple of days? Uh, as the story progresses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been months or anything. This story goes on for 44 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he's giving them the impression that she's just there, but she's living there. She's staying there. She's 24-7. She's not leaving. Hmm. So they eventually began to question the relationship, whether or not it was consensual. But they stayed under the delusion that all was well. It's like they, they knew in their guts that something wasn't right here. Yeah. But I don't know if they were fearful of... And culturally. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how the cultures are. You know, maybe it's the sun, so you don't question them. I don't know how that works. But in America, I would definitely say the parents are idiots. Right. I mean, <laughs> your 16-year-old son has this girl in the house that's about 17 and... It seems like that she's maybe there against her will. Maybe ask some questions. Hey, uh, how are things going? Yeah, right. What, what are you doing here so long? Yeah, we'd love to have you. We'll take care of you. But you want some dinner? How, me, where's your parents? What's the situation? I'd love to talk to your mom or dad. We want to make sure you're safe. Basic things. Yes. So despite Minato's parents questioning the relationship, they stayed quiet because of the threat that the Yakuza would come and and harm their family. So, so they Minato's never also out. part of it, Minato and Miano. It sounds like it, or that perhaps because he's saying she's tied to Miano, that Miano will get the Yakuza. Okay. I don't know what Minato's, you know, role was with the Yakuza. Well, since he's close <laughs> to Miano, then that's, I mean, there's at least a connection there. There's a strong connection there. So at one point, Junko even begged the parents to help her escape, and they became completely aware that she was being held there against her will. Wow. Under their own roof. Yeah. And I don't know how big their house is, but I mean, in our house, like our son's bedroom is right off the kitchen. Japan, so, I picture pretty small. Like if you're anywhere near the big the city, city, yeah, it's going to be pretty small because there's so many people there. Yeah. You're just stacking, you know, apartments or homes on top of each other to make space. Right. So for 44 days, Minato's parents lived in a house with a girl that was being held prisoner. She was raped over 500 times by Miano and his friends that the four captors knew, totaling over 100 different men and boys. How do you even count 500 times? Like, it's like multiple times a day, obviously. That's insane. Yep, by over 100 different men and boys that were involved coming in and out of this house. That's crazy. Can you imagine these people just filtering in this home 
and the parents just sitting in the family room like watching TV while this is happening. So 500 divided by 44 days is 11 times a day. Well, yeah, because there were so many different people involved. And maybe they count every single person. So 11 people a day are coming through these doors and... Yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's disgusting and horrific, and that's all I can and say. And how many people... How do you find this amount of people that want to that rape are, their that, little That's girl? what I was saying in the beginning is how do you find 100 equally sick people? All these people should die. Like, it's disgusting. Oh, they should all be like brought together into a jail and just not fed for months and put months. them on an island right oh my god i know it's it's incredible that this could have happened she lived in absolute hell during this time according to the group statements they tortured her by inserting iron bars scissors skewers lit matches into her vagina and anus jesus christ they shaved her pubic hair and forced her to dance naked at one point, they even somehow put like a lit light bulb into her vagina. It probably burst. It damaged her internal anatomy. Poor baby. Her eardrums were severely damaged from the boys putting fireworks in her ears and mouth. I mean, who would treat an animal in such a way, let alone a human being? Right. It's it's just like you can't believe that this actually happened in 1988. Like this is from a horror movie. You know, this is something that... That I would never go and watch. No, I would be like, I don't want to see this. Never. hear about it. Jesus. Sake. So she developed difficulty breathing from her nose because of the frequency of the nosebleeds that she was suffering. Junko was becoming nearly unrecognizable because of the brutality of her attacks. Her face was extremely swollen. She was having difficulty walking and she was no longer able to go and use the downstairs bathroom. And that's just the thing. Like I'm saying downstairs bathroom, like she's moving amongst this house. These parents are fucking useless human beings, man. They they had the opportunity to save her. I mean, a girl was being brutalized under their roof and they just lived there and did nothing. I guess you're worried about your family being killed by the Yakuza. I'm sorry. I couldn't live and let knowing that something bad was happening to this poor child yeah so she became unable to properly control her bladder and bowels of course because she's getting burned from in inside of her inside i mean they're putting scissors inside of her vagina of course she's having trouble they're they're completely shredding her from the inside out and basically doing as much as they can to kill her until she just dies exactly and of course they're like doing things with lit cigarettes and fireworks and stuff so she's getting wounds and now her wounds are getting infected which is giving off a terrible smell so now the boys become too disgusted to continue their sexual assaults then they only that only ramped up their beatings so because they couldn't torture her by raping her now they're going to go ahead and beat her more how do you get like enjoyment? Like there's not even know. a challenge, you there's... know, like I can see wanting to find a fight, you know, going to fight some other people and like trying to prove fight you're back, the toughest. Maybe. Right. Yeah. But this is a girl that's just being run down and beaten to death. Cowardly, just complete, complete like monsters, cowardly monsters that you can't imagine actually live. So because they could no longer rape Junko, they kidnapped and gang raped another 19-year-old girl on her way home from work, just as Junko was. Just looking for random girls. Yes. They're just prowling the streets looking for their next victim. That's so dangerous. That's insane. So when Junko was no longer being raped, they would force her to do horrific things, eat live cockroaches, masturbate in front of them, drink her own urine. They would hang her from the ceiling. They would urinate on her and treat her like a literal human punching bag. 
and they would beat her with golf clubs, bamboo sticks, and iron rods. They burned her eyelids and her genitals with cigarettes, lighters, and hot wax. They forced her to sleep on the balcony, basically naked in the freezing cold of winter, because, of course, this is taking place at the end of 1988. They twisted off one of her nipples with pliers and smashed her fingers. At this point, she's also severely malnourished after being fed only very small amounts and eventually only milk, probably when they just even felt like giving it to her. This is like making my brain... I feel something in my brain right now. Yeah, well, you should because it's hard to wrap your head around. It's... it's, Yeah... I don't know what the feeling is, but like my brain wants to shut down right now and just not listen anymore. It's like so (laughs) horrific. It really is. So one of the most heartbreaking things about her torture and eventual murder was that it could have been avoided. Twice the police were alerted to Junko's conditions and failed to intervene on both occasions. On the first occasion, a boy that was invited to the Minato house by Miano went home and told his brother what was happening. So somebody that actually thought, hmm, this isn't right. So he told his brother, the brother told the parents, who then contacted the police. So when the authorities came to the house, the family assured them that no girl was inside. So now they have an out of like, hey, we didn't call the police. So this could be their chance because it wasn't them that were narking. It was actually an outside person. Being worried about the Yakuza. Yeah, but they still said, no, there's nobody inside. They didn't investigate it. They left and didn't return to the home. And then the second time, Junko managed to call the police. But before she could speak, the boys discovered her. They called the police back and told them that the previous call had been a mistake and there was no follow-up done. Sure. So twice there's been an alert that something bad is happening in this house and twice nothing was done. So on January 1st, 1989, Junko is greeting the new year all by herself in this prison hellhole nightmare. In the family home of Sinji Minato. Yes. So on January 4th, 1989, the torture subjected to Junko ended in her murder. By this point, she was pleading with them. She's done. Please, It's about please, time, really. It's like, please put the poor girl out of her misery. Put me out of my misery. She's begging them for her death. Yeah. How sad is that? I mean, I'm sure she's been thinking about that for a long time. Probably has been doing it for weeks. So she just wanted her, her suffering to end. All right. And apparently Miano had been playing a game of, how do you say it? Mahjong? Yeah. Okay, good. I thought I was saying that right. But he lost, and this made him become enraged, so he beat her with an iron barbell. He set her legs, arms, face, and stomach on fire after pouring lighter fluid on them. Like in his house? Like in, in the backyard? the like, house, I assume, or maybe on the balcony. I don't know. It didn't specify where. How the where. hell do you do this in a house with parents? <laughs> I mean, obviously this house has to be a hellhole, a shithole. If a hundred random people are filtering in and out, you don't know what's happening behind the doors of your son's bedroom, even though you hear madness and craziness happening. I imagine this house must have just been an actual shitbox hellhole. Yeah. So um, they lit her on fire with lighter fluid. She allegedly tried to put the fire out. And how, how sad is that? The girl's trying to like frantically flame the fans of her own body to stop the hurting and pain. Well, yeah. And while she wanted to die, it was still painful. Yeah. It's a natural reaction to prevent your, your body doesn't want to die. No, of course your instinct is to want to stop the hurt, but you know, she gradually became less responsive. 
I mean, I'm just looking up pictures of this Monado house. It looks totally fine. Looks like a nice place. I mean, how? I don't know. I mean, uh, there's like hot wax being dripped everywhere. They're peeing on her. They're like this stuff. It, you just, I don't know. It looks I, fine. Like I expected a rundown shithole, but it's fine. So the attack reportedly lasted two hours. Junko started seizing and the monsters thought she was faking it. A few hours later, Junko's nightmare was over and her young life ended. And you know what the bizarre thing is? This is what happened to Sylvia Likens. Oh, she the, started seizing and they thought she was faking it. It's the exact same scenario. Just a bunch of people doing horrific things you would never think a human could be capable of. And it's just becomes part of the regular part of their day. And they think, okay, I'm just going to beat this thing. You, you, she's no longer a human being to them. She's just a thing that they play with, like a toy. It's sickening. Yeah. So less than 24 hours after her death, so it's sounding to me that they just like left her there, Minato's brother called to tell him that Junko appeared dead. They wrapped her body in blankets and put her body into a travel bag. Minato's brother, so he must have been part of this too. It's basically the whole family. One would assume. I wonder if Minato's dad was part. I'm sure he was. Just like the sickening, disgusting. They never specified that. Yeah. So they put her in a travel bag and then they put her into a 44-gallon drum, filled it with cement, and disposed of it on a cement truck in Tokyo. During her captivity, Junko had told the boys that she wished that she was able to watch the final episode of Tanbo. Miano found the videotape of the episode and put it into the travel bag. You might think like, oh, he's he's doing something nice, actually. No, it had nothing to do with that. He later explained that it wasn't out of pity or regret. He just didn't want her ghost to come back and haunt him. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that took care of it. She definitely wouldn't come back and no, haunt you. because you, took, you gave the episode of the show she wanted to watch. Yeah, you beat her and raped her for 44 days. But, yeah, but getting job. rid of that video, that makes sense. That, that took care moron. of it. So on January 23rd, 1989, Miano and Agura were arrested for the gang rape, rape of the 19-year-old that they had kidnapped while Junko, Junko was still there. Okay. So on March 29th, two police officers came to interrogate them. Why March 29th after they were arrested on the 20th? I don't know, but that's the date that was listed. The officers came to interrogate them since women's underwear was found at their address. During their conversation, Miano was under the impression that the officer was aware of the torture and murder of Junko. Nice, good. So he's thinking they're also talking to him about that. He thought a girl had confessed to what he had done, what they had done, and he Wait, told. So who's a girl? Agura is one of the four boys that was okay. involved in this. He, the two of them were the ones that were called in about the gang rape of the nineteen-year-old Miano it, and Agura. Got it. So um, the police are confused because there's like, yeah, okay, so you know where to find her body? And they're like, what? Body? They weren't talking about a body. They were talking about the rape of the 19-year-old girl. So it's all this confusion. Um, so the police were confused. They thought he was referring to the murder of another woman and her seven-year-old son that happened nine days before Junko's abduction. You know, it's pretty bad when it's like, okay, which murder? Wait, which one about? are you referring to? The the lady with the seven-year-old son? Or the oh, no, the other one, the 17. Uh, oh, shoot. You weren't talking about that? But yeah, tell us about it anyways. So apparently that case that I was referring to with the woman and her seven-year-old son, they that case was never solved. I mean, I imagine there's a million cases. 
cases to have to do with all these shit bags. I mean, they're running around the streets. He's grabbing women and taking them as sex slaves. So the next day, on March 30th, 1989, the police found the drum containing Junko's body. She was identified by her fingerprints. Wow. On April 1st, 1989, Agura was arrested for a separate sexual assault. Another one. I mean, they're literally just ping-ponging around the streets sexually assaulting women. So this is Agura, Miano's other friend. Yes. Okay. One of the Not four Minato. that worked together. Not Minato. Got it. Um, so... He was then rearrested for Junko's murder. Because the boys were juveniles, their identities were kept sealed by the court. Journalists from a magazine discovered their identities and published them. They felt that because of the horrific nature of their crime, they didn't feel they deserved to be anonymous. These are adult crimes. You think so? Yeah. So the boys, again, they're underage by Japanese standards. So Miyano is 18, Agura is also 18, Minato was 16, and Watanabe was 17. Because of this, they were given lenient sentences. Miyano was 18 at the time of the murder, so he received a 17-year sentence, which he appealed, and then this resulted in the judge giving him an additional three years, totaling 20 years. He appealed, so they gave him more? Yep. Oh, you want to argue this? Uh, Here's three more. Hey, that's how we should do it here. Yep. So the 20-year sentence is the second longest sentence given in Japan before life imprisonment. Hmm. So Miano was denied parole in 2004 and released in 2009. He was arrested only a few years later in 2013 for fraud, but was released without charge later that month due to insufficient evidence. He is currently roaming the streets around 51 years old. So this, this guy is out there, this monster that did this is out on the streets, likely probably still in Japan, harassing and torturing people. Well, it's funny that Miano is kind of the, the focus of your story while all this happened at Minato's house. Yeah. So I would almost, you know, I think what happened to Minato? Any idea? Yeah, I'm moving on to him okay. next. So Minato, whose house Junko was re- imprisoned at and tortured in, he was initially given four to six years, but resentenced to five to nine. I don't understand. Oh, I, he gets I, four to six instead of 17. Or I guess, you know, Miano had other things on his record. I'm not entirely sure, but um, again, he was 16 at the time of the murder. Right, so he's younger. His parents and siblings were not charged for anything. So this happened under their roof for 44 days, and they got no, like, slap on the wrist, nothing. Hmm, that's really un- unfortunate. So after Minato was released, he moved in with his mom, but in 2018, he was again arrested for an attempted murder after beating a 32-year-old man with a metal rod and slashing his throat with a knife. <laughs> this guy is a danger to society, clearly. Now, yeah. at least like M- Miano, when he came out, you know, it was fraud, which is not a violent crime. Um, maybe he figured, okay, I'm not doing this stuff anymore. I'm just doing regular crime, you know, not violent crime. But Minato coming out and slashing somebody's throat, like, this guy needs to be put down. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's 49 years old right now. Awesome. Watanabe was 17 years old at the time of the murder. He was given three to four years, though received an upgraded sentence to five to seven. A girl was also 17. He served eight years in a juvenile prison before being released in 1999. After his release, he took the family name Kamasaku, when he was adopted by a supporter of this, but I'm not quite sure why he was adopted at age 26. Interesting. I couldn't wrap my head around that one. And a supporter of what? Just beatings and murders? I, I don't know. Yeah. But he was said to have bragged about his role in the torture and murder of Junko. No remorse whatsoever, only bragged about what they were able to do. Awesome. 
So in 2004, he was arrested for assaulting Takatasho, I'm sorry, I know I'm saying this wrong, Asano, a friend he thought his girlfriend was cheating on him with. He tracked this man down, beat him, and shoved him into his truck. He took him to his mother's bar, beat him for four hours, threatening that he was going to kill him. He was sentenced to seven years for that crime Just and has since been released. Add on another seven years, then do it again, then he'll give you another seven years. And the fact that, you know, he kept this man, you know, for four hours torturing him is very similar to, you know, his, like, mindset of wanting to torture people. Right. So it's widely believed that the light sentences are related to their connection to the Yakuza. Uh, Had the case been heard elsewhere, or if they'd been a couple years older, they would have likely been dealt capital punishment. Wow, that's crazy. Just like having been born just a little later had saved them from all this stuff. And it could have been like a couple months, you know? Yeah. Um, The Minato family was ordered to give Junko's family 425,000 in restorations, though the family saw not a single penny. Huh. Instead, the Minatos gave the money they received from selling their house to, um, I, I guess, the boys when they were released from prison, the three boys, because Miana was still in prison. They gave the money to Minato, Watanabe, and Ogura when <laughs> well, the, the wait, three of them were how released. How do they owe money to Junko's family and then give it to not Junko's family? Uh, apparently, they had no repercussions to not doing so. Because the Yakuza, most Perhaps. likely. Gosh. Darn it. And because Miano, he, he's a sick and twisted individual, apparently his mother is also sick and twisted because, again, she raised the devil himself. She blamed Junko for her son's imprisonment. <laughs> so she went to the cemetery and desecrated her grave. Awesome. What a gigantic piece of shit. Can you believe it? No, no wonder why he's the way he is. No, I mean, he had no chance, basically. So, at Junko's funeral on April 2nd, 1989, a friend gave a memorial address saying, Jun Chan, I'm not sure why they called her that. Welcome back. I have never imagined that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The happy, which is a traditional Japanese coat they wear, mm-hmm. um... We made for the school um, looked really good on you. We will never forget you. I have heard that the principal has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together, all of us. Jun Chan, there is no more pain. There is no more suffering. Please rest in peace. It went on way, way, way too long. I mean, a day is too long for anybody, but 44 days of that. Can you just imagine that poor girl, what no, she went through? No, I can't. Horrible. And her future employer, Junko's, Junko's future employer, who she was going to start working for after she had graduated. The plastics company or whatever? Yeah, I think it was electronics or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they presented her parents with the uniform that she would have worn in the position that she was going to work and was placed in her casket. At her high school graduation, the principal presented her diploma to her parents. Mm -hmm. And the 17-year-old's life was just ended by these monsters. Beautiful young girl with all this in front of her. These monsters just decided, you're going to be mine. You know, she's trying to graduate. She's trying to earn money. She's working, biking home to go back to her family, and she's intercepted by these animals. Well, in last week's story, we talked about a younger girl, and it was just, you know... So some of our friends were like, well, now I got to watch out for my kids. You know, if they go to the park, um, I'm worried that somebody's just going to snatch them. And it's like, well, it's a possibility. You know, it's something you have to worry about. So it's like, 
even if they're eight or nine or 10 or 17, it's or just like 30 or 40 or right. whatever age. It's like your worry never ends. Right. And there's really no like bright spot in the story because the, this no. girl was just doing living her life and biking home as she normally did. Yeah. So there's really nothing to say to boost at the end of the story because it's just it's just straight up terrible. Hmm. that's uh that's a hard one to get through if i started researching that there's no way i'd get through the end actually when i said my brain was shutting down i stopped listening for about a minute well i mean i can't say that i blame you and if people tuned out i could understand it but i did want to tell her story i kind of hope that this episode doesn't do very well so that we don't hit you know i'm i'm not gonna be touching any of these stories but you do such a good job of getting into the details and really you know it has to be told because that's what happened yeah and it's hard to say the details but that it is what happened well you know we mentioned the the school shooting in texas it's necessary to know how many children died because it's not a fantasy story this is something that actually happened yeah and it's important for each one of those kids and and junko as well like she endured all of this you know torture as humans, we don't want to hear negativity and sadness, but you know, if you want it, to know the story of Junko, and it's the story of what she lived through. And yeah, then, and you don't have the option of not knowing everything because then you you don't get the whole story, right? So, so uh, what a tough one, man. That's so sad. And I looked up. Yeah, we're gonna post pictures. Obviously, yeah, it's just beautiful uh, young girl. Yeah, just like, sad. Like we said, she had her whole life in front of her. Yeah. So anyway, we will be back next week, and we hope you join us. And before we go, we're going to say thank you to our patrons. Um, if you'd like to support us, go check out our show notes, and you can sign up for like a $5 or $10 or even a $25 Patreon, and you get access to our bonus episodes. Which we'll be recording right after this. Yep. So thank you to Colleen and Lily and Karen and Nadine and Allie and Susan. You are the sweetest people that I can think of um, Me too. on the internet. And so, we love you. Yes. Thank you so much for that. And your, your support means the world to us. Uh, maybe I can end up buying a new camera and get back to some videos. We'll but, see. Um, I think we're going to be f- focusing a little bit more on TikTok these yeah, days. Yeah, We're so. experimenting, yeah. trying to tread wa- new waters, uncharted territory, and we'll see what happens and where it goes. Yep, absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every last one. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.